1: live presented by Kaleida health Wednesday it is Steve Tasker Chris Brown with you one bills live is the show thanks for joining us as we are here until 3 p.m. and the bills out on the practice field they are outside today on the grass practice field because they'll be playing on grass on Saturday and getting ready and I don't know like it's I feel like this is going to be a very different game Steve and we we can discuss it in earnest over the next couple of hours, obviously. We'll also be talking a lot of Josh Allen, who for the third time this season was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week, 10th time in his career. Um, Eighth time against the Dolphins. <laughs> Nopties. It's close to that. Yeah. It's up there. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around what kind of game we're going to see on Saturday for a couple of reasons, one, the bears run the tar out of the football and nobody has really been able to stop them. And I found coach McDermott's comment when he addressed the media about an hour ago, pretty interesting. He said, we better be ready for these guys. And I thought that was kind of a, I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was a con, a comment that made my ears perk up a little bit. And it's probably a byproduct of two things. One, no one has been able to stop them on the ground this season. Two, the Bills are coming off one of their lesser tackling performances defensively. And so I think that automatically, you know, ratchets up the concern is probably too strong a word, the focus and the emphasis on proper fundamental football And Eric Wood and I had a discussion about this in the pregame radio show before the Miami game. When tackling has cropped up as a problem for the Bills, it's not only about the way in which they're trying to tackle. It's also about positioning. And when we see two or three missed tackles in a row like we did on the 11-yard touchdown run by Mostert in the game last week, it wasn't because – necessarily the tackling was poor it was because the positioning was poor which led to a tackle that isn't Sounds textbook right yeah i i saw that a few times looking over the game again arm tackles reaching to make a tackle instead of you know being in proper position to break down and you know explode into the game when guy, you right? give up 188 yards <clears throat> 188
0: yards rushing to the dolphins or any team it always comes back to that yeah, great defenses are one thing. The first guy to the football makes the tackle all the time. Those are great defenses. The Bills aren't didn't play like that against the Dolphins. And I'm I hope that Sean McDermott says, "Listen, we better be ready for these guys." Isn't a nod or a, a reaction to what he's seen from his players thus far this week. You get into the you get into the nitty gritties of the season. You go in and you start talking about the team you're going to face and what's going to be. What's the – what's it going to be like and and all of that? And you get to the point where you look at what they've done and the Bears just – they're on a seven-game losing streak. Right. Um, There's not – you know, there's – yeah, they're running the football great. Um, They average 186 yards a game. Right. And how much of that is their opponents going, listen, you you can run it all you want – they lost by – in their seven-game losing streak, they lost by – Five to the Eagles. 30 to the Cowboys. thirty No, 20 to the Cowboys. Three to the Dolphins. One to the Lions. Three to the Falcons. 21 to the Jets. Nine to the Packers. And five to the Eagles. It's not like – a couple of those. You had 20 points to the Cowboys way back – um, and, the, and the Jets handed it to him pretty good too, and the Packers kind of got them, but the Packers kind of own the, the the Bears. This is a Bears team that's not going away easy. Their r- ability to run the football is one of the things that keeps them in game because as we've, we've talked about in Bills by the Numbers this week, teams that run the ball really well, it's hard to blow them out. It's hard to get enough possessions in the game to just keep throwing, throwing points on them unless you score every single possession without ever making a mistake. Yeah. It's going to be a close game. That's where the Bears are right now, and it's easy for me to envision guys sitting there watching film and getting the feel for these Bears games going, and just taking a deep breath, going, "Yeah, they ain't they ain't good enough." Right. And so I think Sean McDermott comes out and says, "Geez, I hope we're you know we got to be ready for these guys." I think he might sense a little bit of a. Of his roster, kind of standing up and taking a deep breath, saying, "Okay, we yeah, I mean, let's get ready for the Bengals kind of you think about the
1: stretch they've been on three consecutive division games. This is their only remaining out of conference game in the regular season, and yeah, you obviously want to avoid complacency because you're in an AFC conference race for the top seed right now. You currently sit at the top, but it could change very quickly if you have a slip up somewhere over these last three weeks." I I just don't know what the game's going to look like. I'm very curious as to what Buffalo's defensive game plan is. Because the Bears run the ball so well, do we finally see more base personnel on the field than nickel personnel? As Steve has mentioned several times on this show, it's very hard to pull the Bills' defense out of nickel personnel because they value Taron Johnson as a player and feel that he can capably serve as a hybrid-type linebacker at times. This week might be a different story. They run the ball so well and they're worst in the league in passing. It may behoove the Bills to go pace personnel, three linebackers, and AJ Klein on the field with Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds to better, you know, get the stops they're going to need against what is proven to work for Chicago offensively. How often do they turn to that? I guess that remains to be seen, but. The passing threats are limited at best.
0: Yeah, and it may be the Bears have been in these close games, and and it helps their ability to continue to run the football through four quarters. It seems to me, too, though, that if you stop their run game and you force them to have to throw it, you're forcing them to beat you left-handed. And we've seen enough of that in the AFC East itself where you play teams like the Patriots who absolutely change their entire identity to take away what you do best. Uh, the Jets with a number, top defense, a top five defense, doing the same thing defensively. They force you to beat them left-handed. If the Bills wanted to do that against the Bears, it seems simple enough to stack the box and say drop back and throw it on us. If you're going to have you max protect, we're sending pressure. Hmm. If you're going to beat us, throw it, you're going to beat us throwing it. Uh, and ask him to do that. The thing that keeps teams from doing that, especially the Bills, is their core value system that they're not ever going to give up big play. If you go man yeah. coverage and go pressure and get, put eight guys in the box, you got a chance of somebody something bad happening. Fields lobbing one up and the guys behind you on a man coverage and you get, give up a touchdown. Right. So that's the reason the
1: teams are hesitant to do that. And then we run into the other thing that could play a factor on Saturday, and that is the weather. Not so much snow. There's only a few inches expected in Chicago Friday into Saturday. It's the wind, which they're saying could is expected to be sustained 25 to 35 miles per hour for most of the game, and then wind gusts over 40. That can mess with a passing game, and so – I kind of openly wonder: Is this a game where Cole Beasley plays more than eleven snaps? Because how he factors into the passing game figures to be less impacted by the wind, right? You know, than throwing eighteen-yard dig routes,
0: right? Because Josh will throw it ten yards on a you know on a fast ball, where well, the wind's not going to have a chance to
1: catch it and to do catch it and it do, it.
0: move it that much and Beasley will catch it, turn around and fall forward for the first down. Yeah. So, yeah, that you could see that. And because that kind of offense you can use that kind of passing offense as an extension to your run game like we've heard so many times, you know, before um a lot of times people say they did it as an excuse for why the Bills weren't running the ball well enough because they were throwing it so well in the short game they yeah. didn't need to run the football. That kind of thing. Well, just keep on keeping on if that's the case. But I agree with you. This is going to bother – This. I don't think this is a factor in this game as much as it would be for other teams. The Bears run it. They don't throw it, so it's not going to bother them. And the Bills with Josh, I mean, they they practice and play and live in that stuff. They're just going to – throw. Josh will throw hard darts.
1: Guys will catch it, and that will be the game plan. This week's game sponsor, by the way, is Well Now, the official urgent care partner of the Buffalo Bills. Let's get to your practice updates, which are presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And Ryan Bates and Jordan Phillips continue to practice in their return from injury. Both of those players missing last week's game, so that's they seem to still be trending in the right direction. Center Mitch Morse, however, remains in the concussion protocol. He is not practicing today. Neither is Jordan Poyer or Boogie Basham. Poyer is dealing with a knee injury, the severity of which is not known, but he is missing practice today, and I believe he was listed with a vet rest day yesterday. So unsure when that cropped up as an issue. And Boogie Basham, not practicing, still dealing with his calf injury. He was listed over the weekend by Coach McDermott as day-to-day, so we'll have to see where it goes here on what will be I guess a short week in terms of the playing week, but knowing they played last Saturday, there is still a full week between games. Um, so it's short in the terms of the traditional Sunday one o'clock kickoff, but not in terms of the rest time between games for the players since they played last Saturday night, re-signed to the practice squad, defensive tackle Brandon and Bryant, poor guys turned into the human yo-yo a little bit here being on and off the roster, but some, Some valuable and, in my estimation, underrated depth for the defensive interior. Uh, He's back on the practice squad now. He has spent time on the practice squad, on the active roster for the better part of the last three seasons with the Bills. So he lands there after they had to make room on the roster for guard Ike Butker, who came off reserve PUP and was added to the active roster. And, you know, his availability is pretty important in light of the uncertainty with Mitch Morse this week being in the concussion protocol and still not practicing here on Wednesday, you know the Bills playoff clinching scenario. If they win, they already have a playoff berth, excuse me. If they win, they clinch the AFC East. It's a division clinching scenario this week. So and if the Dolphins lose to the Packers on Sunday, that's another way they could win the AFC East regardless. Uh, of whether they win or not against the Bears on Saturday. But win, and the division's theirs. That's an interesting matchup that I hadn't, we hadn't really thought about because the Dolphins
0: are kind of in the rearview mirror now after the Bills beat them this last Saturday. But that's an interesting matchup. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming off a win.
1: They're and, still in the playoff hunt it 6-8 in the yeah, NFC.
0: Going against the Dolphins, who are on a three-game losing streak. It's in Miami as well. It is right? in yeah. Miami. Yeah, that may that's a that's got to be a plus for Green Bay. Um, that's a for huge... the passing game. It is, I would well, think. Well, here's the thing: I, you can say what you want about how oppressive it was in Week Three for the Bills going down there and it's 140 degrees on their sideline. Guys are falling out, dehydrated, what, whatever, whatever, whatever. As a former player who lived here in Buffalo and played here in Buffalo for a decade, much like the guys in Green Bay, you practice in the cold. You have to deal with it when you're off the field, when you're away from the field, when you're at home traveling, going for groceries. We live in it, right? Okay. And, you know, it's great. When you go down and get off the plane in South Florida in December, late December for a game, and it's 80, 75, folks, you breathe it in like a dry sponge in a bucket of water, man. It feels so good. <laughs> It's such a because you you just you put your clo you put your game jerseys and your uniform on, you know you don't have to worry about layers cayenne and- pepper on your feet, you know you don't have to worry about icy hot on your you know in your armpits, you don't have to all the crazy plastic bags under your socks icy hot on your armpits none of that stuff that doesn't sound fun right you don't have to worry about any of that just it almost feels like you know like you're back in the in the ancient Roman day in the Greek days where you compete nude. You know what I mean? In a Tunic. Yeah, you just feel like, golly, this is all. Aw- it's great. It's like it's a boost. freedom. It's <laughs> a boost for the northern teams going down there at this time of at year. At this time of year. At yeah. this time of year. Um, so, I think I
1: think the Packers are well, going to go down and have, play really well down there. Yeah, here's at least the, mentally. Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers can always put a game together where, all of a sudden. Yeah. It's throws, like, whoa. Yeah. He, he, he can still do that.
0: 362 and four
1: touchdowns. He can, yeah, yeah, you know, he's still capable of doing that. Now, we haven't seen all that much of that this year. And part of it's due to the fact that he had a young, relatively inexperienced receiving core. But some of those guys are maturing here, coming down the stretch, and they are pushing. Uh, there are other teams in the NFC that are fading and are not going to be part of the equation. I mean, you already got some teams. Uh, the Rams are not in the mix, the Cardinals are not in the mix. Um, the bears are not going to be in the mix at three and 11, right? So there are teams falling out. The Packers are still alive. Granted, it's an uphill battle, but that NFC is, is, uh, it's a quagmire of teams just jumbled up in the middle. It's, It's, it's a long shot for them to get there. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's still something to play for. And if Aaron Rodgers gets off the f- plane and feels as good as you say it does yeah, to yeah. go down there in late December when you've been spending every day of the week up in Green Bay. Right. There've, maybe he puts together a performance and <sighs> Dolphins can't lose another one. Right. The four teams They can't they're, lose
0: they're eight and six. There are four teams in that conference that are far and away better than everybody else. It's Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, and Dallas. There are four teams that are way out ahead of everybody. Now, you can throw the Giants in there, but, you know, they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, and San Francisco are the four teams. Everybody else has got like six or eight losses. The Giants have five losses but a tie. Um it's those four teams and yeah. everybody else. I,
1: it, I, don't get me wrong. It's, so an there's up, three, it's an uphill battle for Green Bay. They're a game and a half back in the loss column of Washington who's got the last spot. And they've got two teams that are ahead of them who, if they keep winning, you're out of luck, Green Bay. That's right. But that's, I think they played Detroit one more time in the last well, three weeks here.
0: Well, I'll tell you. they Detroit or
1: Chicago? They still They have one division game left, I believe.
0: They've got... Miami this week, of course. Then they go Minnesota Detroit. Oh, both. two
1: division games. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, so they have the head to head with Detroit left. You know, if they keep winning and Detroit slips up, they could leapfrog them. But
0: Minnesota. I mean, they got to win out, no question.
1: They got to get to nine wins.
0: But, they, but the that'd point be good is, enough. That'd be yeah, good enough.
1: The point is, there's still something to, for them to play for. They're not going down there and, you know, more worried about getting a tan than winning a football game. So, you know, hopefully they give uh, the Dolphins a good fight down there. And, you know, you go from three straight losses to four. Yeah, it's not the way you want to get into the playoffs, that's for sure. We also want to discuss with you today more about Josh Allen. As we mentioned, AFC Offensive Player of the Week for his four touchdown passing performance that also included 304 yards passing through the air, a two point conversion of acrobatic style. Um, you know, along with yeah, a mere 77 yards on the ground rushing. You know, he's basically responsible for, you know, 381 of the team's 446 total net yards. Yeah. Not bad. And so I, it, this kind of just went by the board on me, Steve, with his four touchdowns. Josh has now tied Dan Marino for most total touchdowns in your first five seasons. All time. All time. It's him and Dan. That's it, and he's probably going to pass him. He's got three games left, um. So <laughs> he's yeah. redonkulous. So our question that we wanted to pose to you today was: How has Josh game? How has Josh Allen's game evolved this season, and why or how? Um, how has his game evolved this season? Because I think there are little nuances that he adds to his game each and every season. And, you know, last year, I remember we had Jordan Palmer on the show and we were talking to him about Josh's game, and he felt where Josh's game evolved last year was in that emotional state of calm, right? Remember how you used to talk about Sugar High Josh Allen yeah. and how sometimes at the beginning of the game you had to peel him off the ceiling? Jordan was telling us he felt if there was one step in his game last year, it was having that emotional control you know, keeping his emotional center right there so he could just focus on doing his job out there as the quarterback. And I would agree with that. I thought we saw a lot of that last year. And every game, every year, Josh has focused on something, and the next year he comes back, and he's a lot better at that something, whatever it is. What is it this year? That's the question we're posing to you at 803-0550. 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We have open lines for you there. Or... You can hit us up on the tweet sheet as always at One Bills Live. How has Josh Allen's game evolved this season? You tell us. Does anything stick out for you, like jump out at you and say, "Wow, he really is better at that this year"?
0: I don't know. Well, the guy's been playing at MVP level for three years, so um, I think the thing that grabs me more than anything—I don't know that there's anything because I hesitate to give to say this is Josh or whether it's Ken Dorsey. You know what I mean? Um, he's playing in a slightly with a slightly different play caller. So different parts of his game would be accentuated. Um, and plus, not for nothing, the guy's been injured for the last month and a half, seven weeks, or wherever it was he got his elbow hit, and they've been nursing him along. Right. So I think that has changed his trajectory a little bit this season and maybe flattened it. Um so I think it's a really difficult question. I don't think there's any question He is when he's on, he's as good as or better than everybody else in the league. Uh, Mahomes is certainly always in that conversation, absolutely. Uh, Josh is right there with him. He's always in the conversation. Then you get guys um, in and out of the conversation, like you know, um, Jalen Hurts this year is being thrown around because of the, the success that team has had uh, and a little bit unexpectedly. Tua was in that conversation through that five game winning streak when they, mm-hmm. you know, they were oh they were three and 0 oh and three, then five and o. so they were they were off to a red hot start. But Josh, when you watch the Bills play, you can't not be wowed by the level of play Josh has. Even when it's when they're struggling, when they're down eight in the fourth quarter and Josh hits a third and fifteen for twenty one to Gabe Davis, I don't know if that's exactly when it happened, but he makes throws nobody else makes. Does it from the? Po- I said this in postgame. He does it from the pocket. He does it obviously off script outside the pocket. He can do it with called quarterback runs where they use him as a weapon, call it, and he's going to run it. And he also does it when he just pulls it down and decides he wants to go. He does it with the long ball like Pittsburgh, and he does it plinkety-plink-plink, plink, boom down the field. He had, We have seen him win games every possible way, every possible way. And I think the thing that we don't see now that we had, we saw it a little bit in the swoon during the middle of the season, is the he he cut off the bottom of the roller coaster. His bottoming out doesn't go like, like what are you doing, right? We almost saw it at the last play of the half against the Dolphins where he ran out the clock and almost – blew their chance to score any points there but he got the touchdown. So he's cut off the bottom of the roller coaster too. Right. I mean I, I mean where do you go from here? More of that? Less of the other? Goodness gracious. I think one thing we'd like to see that he's not that he, well, I don't know. We we've talked about it. Make more plays on schedule from the pocket. Just the the guys are running open boom hit him. Um, yeah, maybe more of that rather than going off script as much as he does. But it's hard to see a place where there's gaps that need to be filled in, that, or that were there last year that he hasn't. Or that, you know what I mean?
1: I, it's funny that you're saying all of that because one area where I thought he has evolved is in managing the game. When you have a guy that's so physically gifted in every possible way, to play the position. You're used to expecting the spectacular from him. And more often than not, he does deliver on that front. But I think it's the... It, I don't know how to even describe this, but it's the mundane parts of being a quarterback that I actually think he's gotten better at. You know, getting the team... In and out of the huddle, recognizing time and score, recognizing situation with down and distance, um, diagnosing defense pre-snap and recognizing if it changes post-snap and making a, a decision accordingly. I still, even to this day, because he is so physically gifted, I still think he is underrated as a cerebral player. Josh is really smart in diagnosing the game. Understanding the game, making on the fly decisions in the game. Um, He does not get fooled often. It's rare when he gets fooled. And for a guy that's, you know, still in the first half of his career, I think that's, there's something to be said for that. And so I think, and I think he learned, I, I feel like he grasped this fully when he suffered his turnover stretch. You know, he's got nine turnovers in a span of like six weeks. Seven of the nine are in the red zone, taking points off the board for his team, cost him a couple of games in the process. And then he has the injury on top of it. And it's like, it's almost like the offensive staff, Coach McDermott, Josh, all got in a room together and said, okay, let's just pump the brakes on everything here for a second. And let's change the approach a little bit. Your elbow's not great, so let's not throw it 45 times a game. Let's go with this approach, try to develop this aspect of our offense, and how about you just kind of run the show a little bit and not try to be the three-ring circus that you're capable of being every week? And I think he took that on willingly, and I was in incur- cart like Brown's game, Lions game. He was managing those games and even though the point production was dropping, he was not making the catastrophic mistake to make winning harder. Yeah, I I agree. Here's the problem: even if Josh buys
0: into that and says, "All right, I'm going to give, I'm going to distribute the bowl and let me get, give my guys a chance to help out," the only guy you can point to who has really come through is Steph Diggs.
1: Well, yes, and I wasn't in, and I'm not I'm not trying to indicate that that's the long-term way that this team should play. I was just saying for that interim period when his elbow wasn't 100%, they played a different way. He grasped how to manage a football game. I I kind of think coming out of that now, especially with the signs we saw last week where it looked more like the kind of play we're accustomed to seeing from him, that he's kind of taken that even though it was only for a short stretch where he was a quote unquote more of a game manager than this phenomenal physical talent, he's taken it and kind of incorporated it in to his normal game. If you know, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, my point is this: if he's
0: going to do that, you got to have Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and now Cole Beasley and John Brown and Sha- Khalil Shakir. You got to have all these guys doing their part. He's still Leads the league and having guys drop balls. Correct. So when you drop and do, were you doing that to the guy who's trying to, you know, give you guys a chance to All of a sudden he says, Listen, I'm going to do this myself. And he ends off snapping off a 40, 41 yard yeah. run. Well, or he ends off, Listen, I, I'm going to hang on to this ball. Somebody get open for me while I extend this play right before halftime. You see him doing stuff like that because. He hasn't. Nobody has stepped up to the play. You know, consistently. Are, yeah, you can take Steph Diggs. You put six guys on Steph Diggs. You take him out. Nobody's. You know, there's nobody consistently right. hurting the other team enough Nox, for Josh is, not to do it
1: himself. Knox is the guy that's come closest. Yes, he's done it a couple of two of the last couple three of games, games. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. of games. Um, but the last time before that was the Browns game when he went seven for seventy. Right. You know. So. You know, maybe Knox can be that true second option because we haven't seen a singular defined secondary option in this passing game. So you're right about that. I would, I will, I will grant you, you know, that. So
0: I, we'll see. I mean, I'll say this: He at this point in his career, Josh knows what it takes to win an NFL football game, and he. And as you said, one of the reasons they drafted him and were confident in drafting him when he had so far to go to be a great quarterback was his intelligence. That is what sets guys apart. Certainly that it sets Josh apart, and he never gets the credit for it because of his physical skills that are so prolific. Yeah. He, nobody ever thinks of him as a smart guy. You don't improve at the rate that Josh Allen improved over the first couple of years of your career unless you're really smart. So that continues to be his greatest asset and is becoming more of an asset as he gets further into his career.
1: We have to take a break here, but when we come back, we're taking your phone call. So if you're holding at 803-0550 or 1-888-550-2550, stay where you are. Sam in Buffalo is going to lead us off and others holding at 803-0550 when we return. How has Josh Allen's game evolved this season? You tell us what you think next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.